All right, we'll be in um, Matthew 15 this morning, if you want to join me in turning there, Matthew 15. So it's Mother's Day. I don't know if you know the history of Mother's Day. I don't think I quite realized all of it. Uh, and uh, so 1872, the same author as the Battle Hymn of Republic, uh, Julia Howe, uh, suggests that there should be a special day set aside for uh, mothers, to honor mothers and celebrate peace. That was the uh, idea behind it. And uh, nobody listened, right? It never took root. Um, until finally early 20th century. So now into the, the early uh, 1900s now. Um, and a couple years after her mother's death, a lady by the name of Anna Jarvis uh, held a ceremony to honor her late mother. And um, it was such a, a um, moving experience for her and, and folks, you know, being involved in that, that she started campaigning to have a formal holiday to, to recognize mothers. And so um, West Virginia was kind of where it started. Um, 1910, they were the first one to formally recognize it. And then um, other states followed along the next year. And then 1914... Uh, President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed the second Sunday of May, Mother's Day, um, a national holiday to honor mothers. And so that was the beginning. And so the question was, that's something Anna Jarvis was, was proud of. Well, not, not exactly. A few years later, right, she actually got arrested for disturbing the peace at Mother's Day. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, she hated the, the commercialization of the holiday and the way that people used it to make a profit. And so she was so mad about it, she got arrested out there demonstrating on Mother's Day. Um, so 1923, she followed, filed a lawsuit to stop a festival where the organizers were selling white carnations as a fundraiser on Mother's Day. And uh, she, um, she said she didn't, didn't lead a campaign to begin this holiday so card companies and florists could make money. <laughs> she, she wanted it to be a day that stirred sentiment in the children of the world. And uh, noted she was more successful in starting the day than actually stopping it. And uh, regardless of, of the motivations, the idea of having a day set aside to honor mothers um, just took hold. It was, it was contagious, you could say. And um, we, we just thank the Lord um, for our mothers. And today's the day we've set aside before that. Um, it's the right thing to do. Exodus 20:12. honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land uh, your God is giving you. And um, we're, we are to honor our fathers and mothers, and uh, certainly an appropriate thing to do. So, uh, title of this morning's message, the, the Woman of Great Faith. And, you know, there are a lot of women in the Bible, a lot of women that we could pull out and recognize today, a lot of mothers in the Bible uh, that are certainly worthy of our consideration. And, and you saw a lot of those mothers in the, the video, right? And so, uh, whether, whether you're talking about uh, Moses' mother, Jochebed, or you're talking about Samuel's mother, or, or you go through the list, and uh, uh, even Mary, mother of Jesus, you know, that, a lot of good choices, right, to go through. Uh, Proverbs 31, the Proverbs woman, is, is obviously one that is, is popular today. Um, but we're actually going to look at someone who is uh, not as popular, right? She's not as well known. Um, and yet she's a woman of great faith and a woman who received answer to her prayer. Um, and it specifically had to do with the fact that, that she is a mother. So, passage this morning, Matthew 15, beginning of verse 21. Uh, if you follow along with me, I'll read it aloud. 
Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And, and behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. She said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it, thee, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Lord, bless the reading of his word this morning. Let's look to the Lord in prayer as we get started. Heavenly Father, we, we just thank you for the, the word of God this morning. We thank you for the example here of a, of a mother uh, who was relentless in pursuit uh, of the answer to her challenge and relentless in pursuing the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that today would be one in which our, our hearts are challenged. Uh, Father, one in which we just are overwhelmed in reverence uh, and recognition of what you have given to us through our mothers. And Father, one, a day in which uh, moms would be encouraged how God might use them, how you might use them for your glory. Father, we do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the very beginning of this um, passage here, this, uh, this account, and, uh, a mother reveals her problem, and uh, we looked at this together. Um, we're, we're talking about a, a woman here, a mother here, who, who had, a, had a, an issue, and it was a big problem, right? Not a, not a small problem. Uh, verses 21 through 23 here in Matthew 15 describe it for us, right? Je- Jesus goes there, he departs into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. So this is up north. We'll see it a little later. And he meets this woman who's a Canaanite. And, uh, and she, she's coming out. She's coming to meet him. And she cries out to him, Have mercy on me, thou son of David. Now, look, there, there are a lot of mothers who have challenges and troubled mothers, right, today. You, you, you want to see mothers with trouble on their face today? Go down to CHKD, right? You will see mothers who are going through trials in this life right now in this world, and, and they're going through the, those challenges. Um, that, that's not unusual, right? Uh, mothers have struggles and challenges that they go through, and challenges that they go through with, with their children. But this mother, it's a little bit unique, uh, one, she's going to Jesus, but she's a, a Canaanite, right? The woman came out of, of, of Canaan, a woman of Canaan, coming from the coast to see Jesus. Uh, this is someone who, you may have heard the term, a Syro, the Syrophoenician woman. I don't know if you've heard that term before, but sometimes that's the term used to describe her. That's the area that she's coming from, okay? So sometimes she's called the Syrophoenician woman. So if you're wondering who that was, that's, that's her. Uh, she's a Canaanite, and uh, the Canaanites, um, that's the people group living in the land of Canaan prior to and during the rise of the Israelites. So uh, remember when Joshua goes into the promised land and he has to run these people out, right, so that they can take the promised land? Those were the Canaanites. That's who was, were, were there. And uh, they were a people group who um, had rejected God long ago. Uh, God had sent people along the way who had declared to them who was the true God, 
and they continued to reject them year after year for an extended period of time until finally, in, in judgment, God sends the Israelites back into the promised land and expels the, the Canaanites from that location. And so, so that's, you know, that's the history, that's the group. And the Canaanites, remember, as they dwelt among the people of Israel, they, they weren't reformed, right? They didn't, they didn't change their ways. They still worshipped false gods. In fact, they took the Israelites and brought them into the process of having them to worship false, false gods as well. Right? They, they used their influence, their ungodly influence, on the Israelites to pull them away from, the, from God. And so that, that was the Canaanites. So, so by, by, um, by her, her um, people group, she is from Canaan. She's one of the Canaanites. Her culture, her language is Greek. So she is, is speaking and would have known the, the trade language of the day. Her religion, to this point, is pagan. And uh, the, the Canaanites worship false gods. Let me just give you a couple ideas, and uh, you'll recognize some of these names. Um, some of the gods that were prevalent in Canaanite worship during that day. Uh, one was uh, the god they called El. They just used the term. It just means God, but they, they just considered him the, the supreme god. And, and so they would look at him as a supreme deity, a creator of the earth. Um, but he was not Yahweh. He was not the god of the Bible. Okay, so different, different God, but someone they called God. Also, you may be familiar with the name Baal, right? Baal. Um, sometimes they would call it Baal Shamim, which means Lord of the Heavens. And, and they would worship this false God as, as being um, kind of a, an important and, and supreme God. In fact, at this time, Baal starts to replace El as the top god within Canaanite religion. And so there's a little hierarchy there. We, we like Baal better. He's helping us out more now. Um, it, it wasn't as though, uh, this, this was not what we call monotheism. There was not one god, right? There are multiple gods. And at different times, which one is helping me out more? That was part of what was going on in their mind. Um, in fact, Baal was, was kind of linked with Zeus at times, right? And, and considered going back to the Greek influence there. Um, Asherah, you probably have heard that name in regard to Asherah poles and other false worship. Um, that was going on in Canaanite worship. And there were other gods as well, right? There were many other gods. There were um, other practices. But there was a change that takes place uh, in, this, in this woman, a, a change that takes place in, in her heart. Um, now, the area she's from, I just want to show you on a map, uh, Israel, Sea of Galilee, most of Jesus' ministry is down here. He's way up north. Tyre and Sidon is way up to the north. And so this was a, an area that was um, more likely to have the Canaanite influence up there. There were more Gentiles in this region. And so, in fact, Jesus was, the disciples were kind of on Jesus. Why in the world are you even going in this area at, at all when he was planning to go up there for the sake of ministry? And so that, that was going on. But so here's this woman who, who is a Canaanite, who is from a different region. And, and as part of that process, she, she is going to Jesus. Now, remember, Jesus wasn't one of the gods I listed in the Canaanite religion. Uh, they, they weren't looking for him. Yahweh was not one of their gods. She's doing something totally different, out of character. And the problem she has going on in her life has to do with her daughter. Right? Now, there, there were certainly other problems in her life. I'm sure that wasn't the only one. Right? I'm sure there were other problems going on in her life. But in comparison, they really didn't matter. 
there was one problem that was on her mind, and that had to do with her daughter, and that was the one that, that took all of her energy, all of her focus. Now, if we go back to this verse here, it describes us that, that issue and condition here. As you look up on the screen, right, her, her daughter was grievously vexed with the devil. What does that mean? She's demon-possessed, right? So her daughter has, is, is dealing with demon possession. Now, we, we don't know the specifics of what is going through, but we do know from other accounts in Scripture what that sometimes looks like, right? People who just seem like they are out of their mind. People who will harm themselves. People will, who will perhaps even go to the point of destroying themselves, as that demon possession would, would, would come about in there. So she, she's going through this challenge. The problem is her daughter um, the, and, and the demon possession of her daughter. Everything else seems small in her life. Her, her daughter's probably dealing with all of these physical issues and, and mental issues that are as, as a result and coming about of this demon possession. And in comparison, you think there's anything else that really mattered in her life right then? Right? I mean, you think about that. That's your daughter, and that's what your daughter's going through. All right. Well, we don't have enough money this month. It could be a little tight. Right? At times, that may be a big deal. At this moment, it probably wasn't. Right? It probably wasn't the primary concern. Um, oh, I stubbed my toe yesterday. <laughs> you know, we, we can talk about that all day when it happens. Not a big deal in this woman's life right now. Right? The, these other problems of life were not a big deal at the moment. Because of what was going on with, with her, her daughter. Ed, boy, you, th- you think about a um, list of parental challenges, right? A, a demon sent from Satan attacking my child. That's got to be pretty high on the list, right? I mean, that, that's got to be up there if you're thinking about parental challenges. Um, and, and what does it remind us? Well, it just reminds us of the importance of prayer. Right, reaching out to God and praying on behalf of our kids because he can do something about it. Right? I may not be able to do anything about it. I may not be able to solve the issue, but God can. And she knew the source where she needed to go to. So we, we have here in, in this woman of great faith, a mother who reveals her problems. We also have a, a mother who is persistent in prayer. And we see that here beginning in verse 22 um, as she cries out to Jesus. Behold, a woman of, of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered not a word. His disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent unto the lost sheep of the house, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she in worshiping him, saying, him, Lord, Help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Now, how about you, but reading this, uh, what, I don't know what goes through your mind at first, but to me it's like, wow, Jesus is pretty harsh. <laughs> right? I, I mean, th- this is not normally the, the have the children come unto me type of portrait. So, so what, what's going on here? We'll, we'll work through that, right? She comes, but I, I want us to focus first on the fact that she knows with the problem that's going on where she needs to go, right? She has a problem, and 
She said, I know the answer to that. The answer comes from Jesus. Say that. Blessed is the woman who knows where to go with her problems. Right? Who, who can fix this problem for me? This demon possession of my child. She run to her husband? Doesn't say that. What could he do about it? Run to God. He can help. And that's, that's where she goes. And, and specifically here, in, in verse 22, we start seeing what she believes about Jesus. Right? She, she believes what he has said is true. She, she describes him. Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. Right? She, she's recognizing him as master, but not just that. Son of David, he's in the Davidic line. He's the one called by God. This, this is the Messiah. This is the one who will reign forever. And so she goes to him knowing that. She, she believes in his deity. He is God. He is the one who can take care of demon possession. He has that power. He has that authority. She, she believed that he actually has the power to do it. That's why she's asking him. You don't go to somebody and ask them to do something they have no power to do it. Right? I, I can... Uh, you know, if there's a, um, if I receive a bill in the mail and there's a billing error, right? I, I don't, I don't call a different company to ask them to fix it, right? I call the one who sent the bill. Why? They don't have any power over that bill. It, it doesn't, you know, it wouldn't make any sense. But she knows that Jesus has power in this area. And so she goes to him and she trusts him and knows that he can answer her request, and not only that, she persists enough in belief that he actually cares and would answer the request. So what are some of the challenges that she goes through? We, we, we consider it just a little bit, but the, the first is that she asked to begin with, and Jesus' response is actually he doesn't answer. The text says he answered her not a word. Right? You cry out to Jesus for help, and he says nothing. What's going on, Lord? Where are you at, Lord? Aren't you supposed to respond, Lord? Hard to imagine. And, and it's not as though she's not in emotional distress. I mean, she is in distress over her daughter right now. She is begging. She is pleading for the sake of her daughter. And Jesus doesn't answer. We get to this description here where, where Jesus provides an answer later on, right? The disciples say, uh, send her away, right? They, they want her to send away. Uh, that comes after that. Send her away, Lord. We don't need her around here. Uh, but that doesn't discourage her. But, but what does happen, right? There's a description. Jesus does answer, and he says... I'm not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, you're a Canaanite. I didn't come here for you. I came here for Israel now. That, that's where I'm supposed to go. <laughs> What's her response? She goes right back to Jesus, worshiping him and declaring, Lord, help me. And so he answers. He says, it's not meat. It's not good to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Now, that's pretty harsh. Right now, dogs was a term and used of Gentiles, right? Those who were outside of Israel. 
It, it was not a particularly nice term. In the original language, Jesus does soften it a little bit. He says little dog, right? He uses the, he softens it slightly. I mean, you know, you, you can almost understand uh, the, the, the situation, right? Here, here is somebody, and he is setting up a test, and yet in the midst of her need, he's not going to use the term without at least softening it a little bit. Right? He, he's, he, he says, little dog. <laughs> I, I don't know if our Lord blushed, but, but it, it kind of just goes through my mind, right? As he lays out this test before her. And her response, and Jesus knew the response from the beginning, right? He knew what would happen. Her response here, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. You're not lying. You came here for Israel. I know that. I, what you're saying isn't a lie. You're right. I believe you, Lord. But don't you have a little bit left? Talk about persistence, right? In spite of discouragement. Can you imagine anything more discouraging than you go to Jesus with your problems? And he says, I didn't come here for you. I'm here for Israel. And she says, yeah, I know. But I think you still got a little something for me. What faith, right? What persistence. I mean, she is here worshiping Jesus as God. I mean, she's not arguing with him. She's not saying, no, you're wrong. You didn't say the truth. Or what you said is false. She didn't say that. She said, you're right, Lord. And what you said is okay. And I will worship you as God because you are my God. But I still have a simple request for you. And it's that you heal my daughter. And Jesus makes these statements, and they, they, they seem so strange to us. That, that term and that description that just, just seems so difficult. Let, let's, let's talk just a little bit about this idea of what Jesus came to do. You know, throughout Jesus' ministry, as he is on the earth, he, he spends his ministry focused on the Jewish people. Why does he do that? Well, part scripture prophesied that he would, that the Messiah would do that. But after Jesus' resurrection, then a change takes place. The apostles' ministry expands, and now it's expanding throughout the whole world. It's expanding also to the Gentiles. And, and Matthew in particular makes it very, very clear because he emphasizes these two phases of the ministry. right? That, that Jesus came first to the Jew, and, and then to the Greek, that the gospel was first for the Jew and then later to the Greek, and that it would expand out in history. And so what's the reason that Jesus refused her request? Was it because he was a, she was a Canaanite and somehow not worthy? No, right? It wasn't that. It had nothing to do with, with the fact of where she came from. In fact, he came to save the whole world. So why would he refuse the request? Well, there was a priority he came to be the Messiah and to go to his own people first. And the timing wasn't for the expansion of the ministry for all the Gentiles yet. That timing would come. And yet here is this mother of great faith. And, and she looks to Jesus and says, yeah, you're right. You're right. 
But give me just a little bit. <laughs> give me just a little, just a crumb, Lord, for my daughter. That's all I ask for. I don't need everything now. Just give me a crumb. What faith, right? Here's Jesus. He's testing her faith. He knows her response. He, he is not somehow dispassionate or, or removed from the situation. He knows the struggles of her daughter even better than this mother does. And yet, he, he, he answers her request. Thirdly, we see, very simply, a mother receives a promise from the Lord. Verse 28 says it this way. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. That's pretty good when Jesus cries out and says, great is your faith. It's interesting that, that in that process, right, her, his declaration toward her is, great is thy faith. Isn't that so much better than saying, you know, something just like, uh, great is thy beauty, <laughs> great is thy professional success, great is thy influence. You know, we're in a day and time where, where there are influencers, right? Influencers today. That's a, that's a new thing. What, what's your job? I'm an influencer. Right? It's a very interesting position. I, I can't imagine having that job. But, you know, pe- people are out there. They, they just try to get people to buy things. And so they, they make these little videos of their lives and stuff like that. And they're, they're influencers. Now, did, did this woman have a long-lasting influence because of her faith? Yeah, for generations and generations, she has been put on display through the word of God of what great faith looks like. So much so that Jesus himself gives that declaration. You know, it's not too often that Jesus declared somebody, to somebody, you have great faith. That, we, we just went through Mark. It doesn't happen all that often. And here he is giving that declaration not to one of Israel, but to a Canaanite. Perhaps a little bit of foreshadowing about how uh, Jesus' own people would reject him and the gospel would spread throughout the Gentile world. But that very hour, Jesus responds and her daughter is made whole. What a wonderful Savior. All right? What a wonderful Savior. You know, why does this come about? Was it, was it because somehow this woman was special and others weren't? Well, no. It had, had nothing to do with, with anything about where she came from, her influence, her power, her authority, her, any of those things. It had nothing to do with that. The, the one area that Jesus points to is very simply her faith, right? Her faith. And, and that was the difference, right? That, that was the thing which Jesus recognized and said, basically, because of your faith, she's healed, because of your great faith. And I, and I want to consider that this morning in terms of moms and mothers, right? Mothers do a lot of great things. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. But for all of us, we have to go back to really what the issue, the root issue is. And, and that question has to do with our individual walk with the Lord. 
You know, that, that starts from a personal relationship with him. That, that starts from knowing that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and by believing in him, knowing that you have eternal life, right? Trusting him for salvation. That's the beginning. But that doesn't mean that the next day, right, you're going to go trace him down across town and beg him in spite of the fact that he, at first, doesn't answer you, right? What, what is it that takes from, to get from that point to, to knowing that I, I, I'm not going to be turned away. He's my Lord. I know his character. I know what he's like. And, and I am going to pursue him with all that I am. I mean, that, that you talk about personal relationship, right? That's per, a personal relationship. That's what that looks like. And, and that's the heart of what true motherhood looks like, right? I mean, that, that is the heart of what we're called to do. And we, we can apply this a little broadly. That's the heart of what true Christianity looks like as well. What we're all called to do. So, so what did, did she do? Well, two things here. What? Come to Jesus with your problems about your children. Right? Let's make it specific to the, 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 the situation here. Uh, she had a problem. She didn't run anywhere else. She ran to Jesus. And she begged him for help. And when at first it seemed like he wasn't responding or wasn't listening. She didn't run away. She said, you are the source of help. And she pursued him further. And he rewarded her for his faith, for her faith. Secondly, let's note this, that the world could be changed by women of great faith. We have a lot of uh, things that are stated today about gender issues and differences and all of those things constantly in the news. And, uh, you know, whether it's, it's um, gender or race or, or fill in the thing, right? You know, fill in the blank. There are going to be a lot of issues that, that have the intention of separating people into categories and groups and dividing us into different ways. And uh, some of those things say, well, you can never do this or you, you won't do this or, or whatever. And... Look, are there differences between men and women? Yeah, there are differences. Are there cultural differences between races? Yeah, there are differences. Right? Not bury our head in the sound, the sand. There are differences. But let's be clear. Right? God can use anybody to change the world. He can do that. And that starts with great faith. That starts with a personal relationship with him. And it, regardless of gender, regardless of race, regardless of fill in the blank, God can use people of great faith for his glory. I mean, isn't it wonderful to know that God can use mothers in amazing ways to, to change the world? You think she knew that day, I'm going to be a part of God's word for all of the future to know about my belief and persistence in seeking my, my daughter's uh, healing. Do you think she knew that day? I don't think so. And yet, look how God used it, right? Well, you think about the disciples of that day. What did they say? Send her away, Lord. <laughs> Send her away. Perhaps sometimes we're a little bit like that, right? We don't see the potential or see what God's doing, and, and, and we just say, ah, we don't have time for this. Jesus even seemed that way at first. With his test, he knew the heart. 
And the world would be changed, could be changed by women of great faith. Now, maybe you're not a mother today, and that's okay. Uh, the fact is that these same applications apply to us as well. Right? God can use us for his glory in the role that he has called us to. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with serving him in whatever role he's given to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our moms. We thank you for the example that you've provided today. Father, we pray that that we too would be people of great faith. And uh, Lord, we we just ask that that you would uh, simply renew in us a passion for pursuing you, for having a personal relationship with you, knowing, Lord, that you can work in our lives and hearts and use us for your glory. Father, that you can use just regular people to change the world. So, Lord, we give you the praise for what you're doing. And, uh, Father, we, we pray these things today. In Jesus' name, amen.